of the pastors of the church. It's good to have you here with us this morning. If you have your Bible, please join me in Exodus chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35. If you do not have a Bible, there should be a solid colored one uh, somewhere nearby. I encourage you to grab that one and follow along uh, with us. Um, I also think we probably have a few new friends up here uh, today in Big Church for the first time. This is Promotion Sunday, so we have uh, some kids that went from nurseries into toddlers because they're walking well, and then we had some go from toddlers into uh, Sprouts, our preschool class, because uh, they're ready for that. And then uh, I think we probably have a few in here. It's tough because I can't always see you, but probably have a few in here that are here in the main gathering uh, this week for the first time. And I, I just want you to know it's good to be in here. I think I started sitting in big church for the first time uh, regularly in an ongoing way when I was somewhere in the four to five year old range. And uh, God just planted some seeds during that time, uh, sitting with my family, sitting with my parents, sitting under faithful Preaching and, preaching and teaching of God's Word and singing songs that we still sing today um, is just really formative in our lives. And so uh, it's exciting uh, to have young folks joining with us uh, today. It's also good to have old folks as well, but you know what I'm saying. All right. Uh, the title for the sermon this morning is God's Work, God's Way. God's Work and God's way. So I wonder, what do you have planned for like this school year? Right? So if you're like me, this time, these last few weeks of August are kind of a reset for you. So uh, how many students are in the room? Like you're in a student at some kind of a school. There are way more than that. All right, a few of us. All right, I'm a student at a school, right? So you're starting school. Uh, we also have teachers. We have parents of students, right? So just this new school year kind of creates this transition for us. Also, the Marine Corps, in, uh, in their wisdom, they've said, let's put all the PCSs around the same time. And so a lot of moves happen in the summer. And so a lot of folks are moving or starting new jobs. So this is just kind of a natural season of transition for us. And so uh, I think it's a good time. This time and the like calendar new year is a good time to think about like what does God have for me in this next year? What does God have for me from now until next summer? How am I to grow in Him? What work does He have for me? So as you think about this next school year, what do you believe that God has for you to be doing? All right, what is it? What do you think God has for you to be doing? As we continue our study of the book of Exodus, we're going to see that the people of God assemble together and they are instructed regarding the work that is in front of them. Now, the work that is in front of them is... Uh, constructing and building the tabernacle, this movable tent that will be the worship place for the people of God and also the place where the sacrificial system will be carried out in and around the tabernacle. 
Now, I don't believe that the application for this is for us to go and build a tabernacle over the next few weeks as a church body. I don't think that's the application for us. But what I do think is we're going to see some very specific things that were true for the Israelites then in their work that God had for them that we can apply for the work that God has for us moving Forward. So I'm going to read our text this morning is Exodus chapter 35 through 39. Exodus chapter 35 through chapter 39. Okay, so it's a bit of a lengthy passage. We've had a couple of these in Exodus. Uh, best thing to do in a lengthy passage is follow along with me. It is hard to just like sit and listen. Uh, we have really short attention spans in our society, and so it's good to like follow along with me. If you're not yet able to read, sometimes it's good to just like draw a picture, so kind of picture what's happening and, and maybe draw a picture that is similar to what you're hearing read. My default is to read the entire passage. I'll tell you, I am probably going to hit some topical sentences when we get towards uh, the second half of our passage, but I will clue you in to when I make that transition. But pick it up with me in Exodus chapter 35, starting at the beginning. Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring to the Lord's contribution gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and stones for setting, for the ephod, and for the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps, and the oil for the light. And the altar of incense with its poles, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle, the altar of the burnt offering, and its grating of bronze, its poles and its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, and the pegs of the court of their cords. The finely, to, finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. 
Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, every one whose heart stirred him, and every one whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord, and everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it to the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skills spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord." Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel and the son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to to teach both him and Oholiab, the son of Ahimach, and the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designers." Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from his task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. 
And all the craftsmen among the workmen made the tabernacle with ten curtains. They were made of fine twine linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns with cherubim skillfully worked. The length of each curtain was 28 cubits and the breadth of each curtain four cubits. All the curtains were of the same size. He coupled five curtains to one another and the other five curtains he coupled to one another. He made loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain of the first set. Likewise, he made them on the edge of the outermost curtain of the second set. He made 50 loops on the one curtain and he made 50 loops on the edge of the other curtain. That was the second set. The loops were opposite one another, and he made fifty clasps of gold and coupled the curtains one with the other with clasps, so the tabernacle was a single whole. He also made curtains of goat's hair for a tent of meeting over the tabernacle. He made eleven curtains. Skip down to uh, verse 20 of the same chapter, so if you've lost me, chapter 36, verse 20. Then he made the upright frames for the tabernacle of acacia wood. Verse 31. He made bars of acacia wood, five for the frames on the one side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the frames on the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the frames of the tabernacle at the rear westward. Verse 35, And he made a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen with cherubim skillfully worked into it. He made it. Chapter 37, verse 1, Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood. Two cubits and a half was its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, a cubit and a half its height. And he overlaid it with pure gold inside and out, and he made molding of gold around it. He cast for it four rings of gold for its four feet, two rings on its one side and two rings on its other side. And he made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold and put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark. And he made a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half was its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth. And he made two cherubim of gold. He made them of hammered work on the two ends of the mercy seat. One cherub on the one end and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat, he made the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, with their faces one to another toward the mercy seat where their faces of the cherubim. He also made the table of acacia wood. Verse 17 of chapter 37. He also made the lampstand of pure gold. Verse 25 of chapter 37. He made the altar of incense of acacia wood. Its length was a cubit and its breadth was a cubit. Verse 29. He made the holy anointing oil also and the pure fragrant incense blended as by the perfumer. Chapter 38 and verse 1, he made the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood. Chapter 38 verse 8, he made the basin of bronze and its stand of bronze from the mirrors of the ministering women who ministered in the entrance of the tent of meeting. Verse 9, and he made the courts for the south side of the hangings of the court were of fine twine linen, a hundred cubits. Their twenty pillars and their twenty bases were of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars and their fillets were of silver. Chapter 38, 
chapter 38 and verse 21. These are the records of the tabernacle. The tabernacle of the testimony as they were recorded at the commandment of Moses. The responsibility of the Levites under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord commanded Moses. And with him, Oholiab, the son of Ahismach, of the tribe of Dan, an engraver and designer and embroiderer of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the gold that was used for the work in all the construction of the sanctuary, the gold from the offering was 29 talents and 730 shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. They also used silver and all the other materials. Chapter 39, verse 1. Chapter 39 and verse 1. From the blue and purple and scarlet yarns they made finely woven garments for ministering in the holy place. They made the holy garments for Aaron as the Lord had commanded Moses. He made the ephod of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. Verse 6, they made onyx stones enclosed in settings of gold filigree. Chapter 39, verse 8, he made the breastpiece in skilled work in the style of the ephod of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. Verse 22, chapter 39, verse 22. He also made the robe of the ephod woven all of blue, and the opening of the robe in it was like the opening in a garment with a binding around the opening so that it might not tear. Verse 27, so they also made coats woven of fine linen for Aaron and his sons. Verse 30, they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote on it an inscription like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. Verse 32, thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished. And the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. They brought to the tabernacle, they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all its utensils, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases, the covering of tanned ram skins and goat skins, the veil of the screen, the ark of the testimony with its poles and the mercy seat. The table with all its utensils and the bread of the presence. The lampstand of pure gold and its lamps with the lamps set and all its utensils and the oil for the light. The golden altar, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and the screen for the entrance of the tent. The bronze altar and its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases and the screen for the gate of the court, its cords and its pegs and all the utensils for the service of the tabernacle for the tent of meeting. The finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons for their service as priests. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded, so they did it. So had they done it. Then Moses blessed them. So as we see, a lot went into building the tabernacle. 
A lot went into building the tabernacle. Here's my main proposition for us this morning. Again, it is not let's go build a replica of this in the churchyard. That is not what we're going to do. Here's my main proposition. God's work is completed God's way. God's work is completed God's way. So there's a couple ways I could have worded that. I could have worded it positively as an instruction, like if you want to be doing the work of God, seek to do it God's way. Right? So find out what God is commanding and do that. I could word it positively. Or I could word it negatively. I could say, if you are not doing things God's way, you're not doing God's work. Right? So there's a lot of different ways that we can look at this. But we understand that God's work is completed God's way. This passage breaks up pretty well into four sections. In these four sections, we're going to see the four truths about God's work that apply to both the Israelites in their context and to us today. Four things. God's work is fueled by rest and worship. God's work is resourced by God's people. God's work is accomplished by many hands. And God's work is completed God's way. So first, in chapter 35, so flip back, you probably went through some pages in your Bible as we did that. Chapter 35, just verses 1 through 3. Chapter 35, verses 1 through 3, we see that God's work is fueled by rest and worship. I want you to notice, and I don't know if you felt it as we just read through, but it felt a little surprising, those first three verses. Okay, So notice, Moses assembled all the congregation of the people to, of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. So like if I'm, if I'm picturing myself there, right, I'm showing up, hey, this is what God would have you to do. I'm like pulling out my writing gear and I'm like, alright, what, what do we got to do? What, what is it? Step one, build a tent, right? Step two, like what, what do we need to do? What is it that you have for us? Same, same type of question that I ask you. What do you think God has for you? So if, if God was assembling you together and saying, look, for you I have this this year, or for you I have this for the next 20 years or 40 years, what is it that God would have you to do? Again, you're going to pull out. What is it? I should, I should join the Marine Corps. I should get out of the Marine Corps. I should, I should raise a family or I should not raise a family. Like We, we think about those types of a thing. But I want you to notice the first thing it says in verse 2. These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. What is it? Six days work shall be done. But on the seventh day, you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest. Is, is that surprising to anybody else? Hey, we got work to do. Everybody come together and hear what the work is going to be. And he starts talking about the day off. Do you all ever do that? You gather you guys together. You're like, hey, we got a lot of work to do. But listen, it's going to take a while, so we're just going to take a day off every seventh day. Like Anybody ever done that as they've pulled the guys together? They've pulled people that work for them together? But this is what God does. God says, look, the work that I have for you, we're not going to finish it in an hour. We're not going to finish it in a day. We're not going to finish it in six days. I actually don't know how long it took them to do this. 
But it took more than six days to accomplish the work. And God says, look, the thing I need you to make sure of is that you work on six days and then you take the seventh day as a day of solemn rest. Notice at the end of verse 2, it's called a solemn rest. Some of your Bible translations will call it a holy rest or a holy Sabbath. It is a day that is set apart. It is holy to the Lord. It is set apart. One of the Hebrew words here that's being used, uh, again, sometimes translated solemn, sometimes holy. Uh, one of the dictionaries I was looking at said, this is rarely abstract, right? So it's not like this abstract idea. It is no kidding, take a day off. And they get one specific instruction, hey, don't even kindle a fire in your dwelling place. Don't even kindle a fire. Take a Sabbath, take a rest. So I want you to think about those things that you have, right? Man, I feel like I'm to raise a family. I feel like I'm to do well at my job. I feel like I'm... Whatever you feel like God has for you this year, what He has for you for this next decade or for the next 20 years, it's not going to be accomplished today. It's not going to be accomplished this week. It's going to be accomplished over the next season of your life. And we have to understand that God's work is fueled by rest and worship. We are to have a day of rest. We are to have a day that is set apart to the Lord. We are to have a day that we come together and worship God. Now, that we always get questions on this one. Uh, when we talk about a Sabbath, look, there's times that me taking a Sabbath is out of my control. Okay? And I get that. There, there are times, especially if you're in a combat zone for some of you guys in your future or in your past, there may be times that you're taking a day off is out of your control. What I would contend to you is that those are very limited in time in your life. Right? Very limited. I think most of the time we have the ability to take a day of rest. We have a time to take a day of rest. So as you think about this, as you think about this next season of life, of the things that I have control over, what do I need to do to set apart a day? What do I need to do? Maybe you need to uh, recommit to the weekly gathering of the people of God. Maybe you need to recommit to that. This whole passage starts with Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, God speaks to His people in the gathering of His people. So you may need to recommit to the weekly gathering of the church. Or maybe there's something that you've been doing seven days a week and you've been, maybe it's you starting a fire in your house. Probably not because it's August and it's really, really hot, right? But uh, there's probably something that you've been doing seven days a week and you just need a day to not do that thing. Okay? So think about it. Examine, God, what is it that I'm just, just... hitting too hard and I need to take a day of rest. I heard it worded similar to this recently. Uh, You can do seven days work in six days, but for a long period of time, you cannot do seven days of work in seven days. Like time feels like it's an objective thing, but it's really not. Have you ever started something and you've thought, oh, this is going to take 10 minutes and it takes three hours? Anybody ever done that? Any, have you ever like started down a path and thought it was going to take hours and it actually got done in like 30 minutes? 
You see how we think time is really objective. Like I can look at a clock and count seconds as they pass off. But in the in and out of life, time is actually not quite as objective as we thought. Instead, God is sovereign over the time. There's a psalm that says the times are in His hands. Right? God is sovereign even over what we think is a very fixed thing. God is sovereign over that. He can make that which we think is going to take three hours take 30 minutes, and that which we think is going to take 30 minutes take three hours. So what do you need to do to fuel the work of the Lord with worship and rest? Secondly, in chapter 35, verses 4 through 29, chapter 35, verses 4 through 29, we see this. God's work is resourced by God's people. God's work is resourced by God's people. Notice in chapter 35 and verse 5, it says this, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. And you're like, well, who's among you? Well, it told us in chapter 35 and verse 1 that Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel. So who is the contribution to be taken from? It is to be taken from among the people of God. It's to be taken from among those who uh, propose to be followers of the one true God. I also want you to notice, not only is it from the people of God, but the contributors, the people who are going to bring the contribution, the people who are going to bring the resources for the work of God, those people are going to be both willing and able. So notice in verse 5 again what it says. Verse 5, it says, Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring to the Lord's contribution. Notice in verse 21. In verse 21, and they came. Who came? Everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting. Notice in verse 22, so they came. Who came? Both men and women. What types of men and women? All who were of a willing heart brought the things for the contribution. Notice in verse 24, everyone who could, who was able to, brought a contribution of silver and bronze. Notice in verse 26, verse 26, all the women whose heart stirred them to use their skill, they used their skill. And then notice in verse 29, all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord, that uh, the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it. Okay? So the people who brought, they were of the people of God. They were the Israelites. They were part of the congregation of the Israelites. They brought the resources to do the work of the Lord, and they were both willing and they were able. Okay? So I just want to be really clear on this. We reject those who have TV spots and encourage those in poverty to plant $100 seeds and there's a promise that they're going to have a $1,000 payback or something like that. We reject that kind of teaching that is unfortunately all over the TV this morning as we are gathered here. Okay, We reject that. We, we don't want to pull for the work of the Lord and God does not desire to pull from the work of the Lord money that's not there. You should not be going into debt to be bringing forth, congregate, uh, bringing forth money for the Lord's work or bringing forth resources of the Lord's work. We have to actually have what we are bringing. 
And then we should be willing. We don't want to emotionally manipulate people to give resources, time, energy, effort, money. We don't want to emotionally manipulate people to do so. We, want, we believe that God is going to well up within us, those of us who are truly Christians, those of us who have the Holy Spirit within us, God is going to well up inside of us a will and a desire to give to the work of the Lord. So are you... Able and are you willing to give to the Lord? And I'll just give you an out for a moment. If you're feeling at all manipulated, like, man, I knew this, like you've been out of church for a while and you're concerned that all we do is talk about money, right? And you're like, oh man, just wants my money. Look, don't change what you're going to do today, okay? All right? Unless the Spirit is genuinely compelling you, like, don't change what you're going to do. Take the time this week. Think, like, God, what would you have us to change? How do we need to rework our budget to resource the work of the Lord? So again, some of the things that you've been called to, some of the things that you desire to do is going to take money to do. Some of the things that you desire to do is going to take time to do. It's going to take resources that you have, and you're going to have to divert it from these things over here and divert it to these things over here. Take some time to prayerfully consider and think about how do you need to divert your resources from serving yourself to serving the work of the Lord. And I trust that between you and the Holy Spirit. Again, take some time to think about it. Don't like, oh man, I need to give more today. Like, Man, if the Holy Spirit compels you, praise God. If He doesn't, take some time to think and prayerfully consider how you could be used to resource the kingdom of God. Thirdly, chapter 35, verse 30, through 39, verse 31. 35, 30, through 39, 31. We see a lot of things, and we could spend weeks in these passages. If you have the time and inclination, and you're just kind of wired to geek out on some of these things, I highly encourage that. Uh, there are people way more qualified to walk you through those things. Okay, But one big thing I want us to understand, and this has been huge in our life here as a church. This has been huge in my life personally. I love this, and we see it very clearly here. God's work is accomplished by many hands. God's work is accomplished by many hands. Many hands. So we see, uh, so for example, in chapter uh, 36 and verse 1, uh, Bezalel and Oholiab, and they did it by themselves. No, it says, And every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work. And then notice in uh, verse 2, Moses called Bezalel and Oholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him to come up and do the work. And then notice down in verse 8, chapter 36 and verse 8, and all the craftsmen among whom the workmen made the tabernacle with ten curtains. Right, And over and over again we see all this plurality of people, craftsmen and workers. We see some are listed by name, and we see that many, most are not listed by name, but the work is done by many hands. And you're like, well, I don't have any skills. Well, praise God, God gives the skills. We just read it. The Lord has put, in verse uh, chapter 36 and verse 1, the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do the work. 
The Lord has given a skill. The Lord has done these things. Right, so if God has called you to do something, He's going to skill you to be able to do it. He's going to grow you to be able to do it. God gives the skill. If you find that you have a skill in something, right? so there's that other side, like, yeah, I'm really skilled. Then we have the sin of pride that's tempted to come up, and we say, yeah, I'm really good at this. And no, 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 that skill, that ability comes from the Lord. God is the one who fills with skill. And then the other thing we see is that they work skillfully. You notice this, like throughout this, they, the word skillfully comes up over and over and over again. They skillfully work. They skillfully work. They construct the tabernacle skillfully. They skillfully wove together everything that they did, they did well. Right? So if, again, if God's calling you to do something, He's calling you to do it well. Now again, there may be a work in progress. I love the old, I think it was uh, uh, G.K. Chesterton said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly at first. Right? And so that's a good mindset to have. Okay, God has called me to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk forward in this. It's okay to do it poorly at first and learn as I go. I don't know if you've hung around toddlers much recently, but they don't walk well like right away. Right? It's really awkward and messy at first. Right? If you've ever been around, if you've ever learned something new, it's awkward and it's it's just kind of like uh, not always pretty to watch initially. Um, I'm teaching. She's not up here, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll talk about her for a second. I'm teaching my my 19 year old how to drive. Right. It's really fun teaching a, a teenager how to drive. And um, she's like, what, what parts am I doing well? And I'm like, well, you're not giving up. Like, you're learning something new. So like, I don't expect you to do it perfectly. Like, sometimes turns are like, whoa, we, we got a little jolt. Sometimes brakes are a bit of a jolt. Sometimes accelerations are a bit of a jolt. So you don't always do it well initially. There's a learning. There's a process, Right? And also notice, there's, there's, it's always with many, many, many hands. So if God's calling you to do something, you feel like, man, I'm called to, to do something. You are called to do that with a plurality of people. You are called to do that with many people. Okay? So even, if it, even things that feel like they're pretty small, right? I, I am called to raise these children. Great, you're called to do that together with a husband and a wife to do that together. For, for whatever reason, you have one of the toughest jobs on the planet, which is a, as a single parent. Man, you need a team of people around you to work together to help you to raise the child. Now, you have ultimate responsibility in doing so, but there needs to be a team around you. If you're like, wow, I feel like I'm called to like go and do uh, this work, understand that there are people who need to come around you to do this work. The way we see that in the life of a church. We don't want a church where 10% of the people do 90% of the work. We don't think that's a good thing. We want all of the members, all of the body of Christ to be working in their area. That many hands working together in the same direction. We see that in our leadership. We have four elders and eight deacons in this church. So four elders leading the church, eight deacons facilitating a lot of the work of the church and making those things happen, serving the church in that way. God's work is accomplished by many hands. Don't get overwhelmed like God's called me to this and i got to do it all by myself. No, no, no. God has called you to work as a part of the team. 
Are you seeking to recruit many hands for the work that God has for you? Do you realize that the skill you have is from the Lord? And are you endeavoring to work skillfully for the Lord? Fourthly, in, uh, at the very end, in chapter 39, verses 32 through 43, chapter 39, verses 32 through 30, 43, God's work is completed God's way. We see it really throughout this whole passage and throughout Exodus, throughout the whole Bible. God's work is completed God's way. But notice in verse 32, chapter 39, verse 32. Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished. And the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. And then jump down to verse 42. Verse 42. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so they, so had they done it. Right? So, God's work is completed God's way. So think about the things that you have. You're moving forward. You're like, okay, God, God, I feel like you've given me responsibility here. I feel like you've given me responsibility here. I feel like I have this thing to do. Which, which of those things, what of those things are you trying to do your way? Right? Like you just kind of used your brain and you like sat down and made a plan and like, oh, I'm going to do all these things. And you're like, oh, I'm skilled in this way and I'm going to do these things. And you just kind of abandon the Lord in it. Right? What things have you been trying to do your way? And what would it look like to turn from doing it your way and start doing it God's way? What would that look like? Part of that will look like things that we've talked about. But we actually come to a very important point here that God's work is completed in God's way. See, it's a main point of this passage. It is a main point of the book of Exodus. It is a main point of the entire Bible, and that is this. Are you going to live according to the commandments of the Lord, or are you going to do whatever you want? That's the big dilemma upon us all. Are you going to live according to the commandments of the Lord? Or are you going to just do whatever you want? And unfortunately in our day, in our society, because we still have this like, we're, we're not a Christian society. If we were, more than 10% of our county would go to church on a regular week. Okay, but, So we're, we're becoming post-Christian, but we have like this memory of Christianity in our, in our minds and in our culture. And so what happens is some people who have chosen to do whatever they want, we just slap a God-approved sticker on it at the end. The problem is that God doesn't do that. He doesn't just, we do what we want and He says, yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. No, no, no. We do things God's way is what we are called to do. The decision that we have is are we going to live according to the commandments of God or are we going to live according to your own ways? If you've, ever, if you've never made this initial change, this initial turn from doing it your way and to begin doing it according to the commandments of the Lord, I pray that today, this week, this month, this season of your life, I pray that today you would make that turn. Say, man, I have. You're right. I have been doing things however I saw fits and it has not gone well. I want to turn and do things the way God would command me to do. 
I want to turn and I want to trust in Jesus Christ. You're like, what's, what's Jesus have to do this? Well, Jesus is very yes or no, right? In John chapter 14 and verse 6, He says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through Me. You say, well, there's got to be another way to be saved. Well, that's against God. That's against God's commandment. If you say, there's got to be another way, that's against God's commandment because God Himself says there is only one way. Jesus came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so for you to turn from going your way and trust in God's way, the first thing is to say that, yes, Jesus is who He says that He is, the way to know the one true God. So it may be an initial shift. It might be an initial change in your life. But if you are a Christian, if you have made that initial change, there may be some ongoing repentance, some ongoing change that needs to happen in your life. Maybe something that I've talked about is as we've looked at this passage and as we've examined it together, maybe there's something you're like, yeah, I need to, I need to change how I use my time or I need to change how I use my resources or I need to change how I interact with the people that I work with or I need to change how I interact with the people in my family, or I need to change my mindset on this or that. Part of the Christian life is continual repentance, continually turning from doing things our ways and continually trusting more and more and more in the ways of the Lord. God's work is completed God's way. So let's work together to do the work that the Lord has for us. I love you guys. Let's pray. God, you, as we sang before the sermon, you hold us fast. You help us to accomplish things that you would have for us. You work in us and you work through us. And God, I, I can only imagine, but you know, that there are many things that you have laid on our hearts that need to be accomplished. And God, I just pray that you would fuel that work first and foremost with rest, with a being still before you and knowing you as the one true God. That we would come together and worship you and be renewed again for the work that is in front of us. And God, I pray that ultimately we would see that we need to trust in You, we need to trust in Your commandments, that we need to trust in Jesus Christ as our only hope for salvation, and we need to draw others to Christ, knowing that He alone can save. We can't save our friends, we can't save our neighbors, we can't save our own children, we can't save anyone around us that we desperately desire to be saved. All we can do is point them to you, Jesus. So God, I pray that you would continue to grant us wisdom, continue to grant us discernment, continue to fuel us as we worship you, fuel us to do what you have set before us. And God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.